So, well, lot to think about, lot to talk, a lot to talk about. Isn't that right? And you know what? The reality of it is, brothers and sisters, there's things in this life we don't even talk about to one another. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We only talk to God about those things. We must remember that in God we have our best friend. And he cares about us and he knows about everything that's going on in our life. And he promises us, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's Hebrews 13. So we have a lot to be thankful for. Um, I'd like to share with you just a couple of experiences that I've had recently in my work. Uh, I do have great evidence, and maybe you do, and you probably do too, that there is an enemy that's out there. In fact, I've experienced his pounding in the last month that's been probably excessive to maybe someone I've ever experienced. But um, I know the Lord is allowing things for a reason and that he cares. And that he is a mighty God. I have seen the hand of God in my life also. And I have much to be thankful for. But I must say as I stand before you today, I look at you with different eyes. Uh, I hope with more understanding. And we have a lot to praise the Lord for. I uh, recently, it wasn't this past week, but the week before, I had done some selling for the day and I was on my uh, return And I stopped at a gas station to get some gas. And when I paid for the gas, I walked in. I don't like to use the credit card for that. So I walked in, paid for the gas. I handed the young lady there at the counter of the Great Controversy. I told her, I said, ma'am, here's a gift for you. I handed it to her. I walked in, used the restroom, came back out to pump my gas. And as I was walking back out, the other lady who had been at the counter, she was looking at the book. And I told her, I said, that's a tremendous book. She said, that does look like a good book. So I walked out and pumped my gas. And the first girl that I'd given the book two, she was out dumping trash, and I saw her with a cigarette in her hand, and I thought, that girl needs a a stop smoking book too. So I went over to her, and I said, have you ever tried to quit tobacco? I said, I've got something for you here. So she came over to my van, and I gave her the stop smoking booklet, and I also gave her a little Steps to Christ that I had there, Shelter in the Storm edition. And I didn't see her cry, but she said to me, she said, you know what? She said, this is a very emotional moment for me. She said, this is the third time this week that something like this has happened to me. And she was convinced that God was speaking to her. She was very touched. She was very thankful. I had another man, uh, around that same time, it was maybe a few days before, but I tried to make a sale with him and he wouldn't buy. And he called me back the next day. He said, said, okay, I'll buy. And I said, well, I said, I'm not even around where you're at. I said, I'll have to ship to you. But I had given him a great controversy, and he said, you know what? He said, I just got into the book. I opened it at random. He happened to buy random to start with chapter 9. And he started reading in the book, and he said, I was really drawn into that book. In fact, he said, I couldn't stop reading. He said, now I'm convinced I need to start from the beginning and read the entire book through. He said, (laughs) he said this. I know he hadn't read the whole book yet. But he said to me, he said, if you believe everything in that book, he said, you believe just like I do. But it just shows you the power of the inspired pen that we have in these books. And, of course, as you well know, the, the Lord has said to us in, in the book, Culpeter Ministry, that if there's one book above others that he wants out, it's the book, Great Controversy, because in the book, Great Controversy, is proclaimed the last warning, warning message to the world more clearly than in any of the other books that have been given to this church. Yes, Ministry of Healing, there's many books that are tremendous, 
But this is the foremost book. And so we really need to get that book out. Um, someone called me this, I don't know who was it told me this week, and then Ron reminded me this morning, as you know, our conference president is stepping down, and he will terminate at the end of this calendar year. So that's definitely something to keep in prayer. We need to keep that earnestly in prayer. Uh, we need to learn to look to God Almighty for our guidance and our direction, but we do need to pray that his hand will be upon leadership. And so let's pray earnestly that the Lord will put his hand upon uh, what is to happen there in that situation. So, now I have been very, I must say I've been very interested in this quarter's lessons as much as I've been able to give attention to them because the history that we're studying in this quarter's lessons is history that surrounds the beginning of the 2300-year period, that great prophecy in the uh, book of Daniel. And that history has a lot of instruction for God's people now as we are at the end of time. We are now on the other side of the conclusion of the, of the 2300 years, 1844. And I believe this year it's 175 years, isn't it, since 1844 has occurred. So the, we are surely living in the end of time. I personally am under the conviction I don't make any time uh, uh, claims or anything. That's not our prerogative to do. But I personally am under the conviction that we are rapidly approaching the close of probation, and that we will see uh, things finalized. We are told in the spirit of prophecy that in the religious world there's going to be a great shaking, and I believe that's as from what I'm observing that it's already going on, and certainly we're also going to see it within God's people, and we need to be grounded in the truth. Uh, so as you study the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, it's very rich history for us also, as you well know, Haggai and Zechariah were prophets that God raised up at the time of the building of Jerusalem to help God's people. And the Lord told them, he said, be strong and work, for I am with you, said the Lord of hosts. And he also, as you know, said through Mal- or, or Zechariah, he said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. We need God's spirit uh, in these last days. Uh, I don't know if you've covered this in your class or not, but one incident that really interests me in, in the book Prophets and Kings comments on it, I'll just allude to what she has to say there. But as you remember that as they were laying the foundation stone of that temple upon the return from the Babylonian captivity, there were some people that were so excited and they were praising God and they were shouting and worshiping the Lord and there were some people there who had seen the other temple. Have you read that? Remember that? And they had a negative reaction. Okay? And you'll read in the book Prophets and Kings that that negative reaction of mourning at that time actually hindered the building process. And it, it integrated into an influence amongst Israel at that time. Here's an observation we need to draw. You know, whenever we're with one another, we're communicating to one another, let's make sure that we express that which will be a blessing to our fellow men and an encouragement to them, and not words in any way that would tend to discourage or tear them down. I don't know about you, but I've had a good number of times in my life when someone was kind to me or did something to me or was just in such a way, they were such a blessing on me, and I guarantee you they have no idea what an uplift they were on me. They don't know. But I know. And someday maybe they'll probably know in the judgment when they look over their life record and they say, 
Yeah. So we must be very optimistic and hopeful no matter what is coming at us in this life. Because we are going to be challenged. We will definitely be challenged. I'd like to give a little study today on Zechariah chapter 3. Because Zechariah and Haggai and Zechariah were the prophets that God raised up at that time for the rebuilding of the temple in the beginning of the 2300 days. And certainly the messages that they have have a application to God's people now. So I'd like to take a look at Zechariah chapter 3. We're going to read some of the chapter here today together and we're going to study it and take a look and see what the Lord has to say. So if you take your Bible, it's the last, next to the last book in the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 3, it's next to the last, it's next to Malachi. Uh, So it's two books before Matthew. Zechariah chapter 3, and we'll begin with verse 1 and read a good portion of the chapter. Okay? I'm in Zechariah chapter 3, excuse me, I'm looking at verse 1. Zechariah 3, 1. And he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Verse 6. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. So here you have Joshua, the angel who is Christ. They're positioned as Joshua's mediator. And Joshua, by the way, was the high priest at that time. He was a representative of the entire body of the Jews at that time. And you have Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now when you read the commentaries on both the fifth volume of the testimonies in the book Prophets and Kings on this chapter, one of the things that is stated is this fact, that for every soul who is transferred from Satan's kingdom to Christ's kingdom, this same controversy is repeated over and over. 
over. Every soul. So this reminds us, here you have Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Here's one of those chapters in the Bible that reminds us of the fact that we in this world are in a great controversy between Christ and the devil. And by the way, there is only one who can beat him. In fact, we are told that one of the reasons we should walk very humbly before God is because we are contending with powers that are far superior to human beings, both in intellect and in real might. And it is only by dependence on Christ and the word of God that we're going to be able to be victorious. That's a fact. That's just a fact. Another thing we're told in this chapter is that in these last days, this especially applies, and I hope to read some of the statements to you here briefly from this chapter. But um, in these last days, we're also told that our only hope is going to be in the mercy of God. Our only hope is going to be in the mercy of God. And our only defense will be prayer. Our only defense will be prayer. So we must become good at the habit of praying, both on our knees and as we walk about, as we lie down, whenever it is, keep as much as you can sending up prayers to the throne of grace in the behalf of others. So we're in this great controversy between good and evil, and I'd like to just uh, ponder with you a little bit, uh, a moment on that. Um, you know, in the there, there's all kinds of good things to read in the testimonies. If you only read one volume out of the nine, hopefully you'll read them all, but if you only read one, my suggestion would be volume five. Absolutely tremendous volume. Testimonies for the Church, volume five. Absolutely tremendous. I want to read to you a statement here talking about the last days, and which we are now definitely in the process of entering. Uh, it's talking here about people in the church who are wise above what's written. In other words, the Bible doesn't really hold an authority with them. Uh, and then it says this, thousands who profess to be Christians give heed to lying spirits. In other words, they're listening to suggestions from the enemy. Then it says this, everywhere the spirit of darkness in the garb of religion will confront you. Pretty awesome thought, isn't it? Everywhere the spirit of darkness in the garb of religion will confront you. This thing is going to get quite thick. (laughs) By the way, I want to share something with you. No matter how intense it gets, and it's going to get intense, Christ will measure out to us the supply that we need. And let me tell you this too. When it's all said and done, God's people who in fellowship with Christ have suffered for him will be proportionably strengthened eternally for the better. Christ does not know defeat. And you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, when it says we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth, let me just tell you this. If the truth is abiding in us, whatever attacks of the enemy against us is only going to work for our good and for our strengthening and for the blessing of God and and the blessing and upbuilding of his work. So when you get hammered by the enemy, you hang on to the Lord. You hang on to him. He knows. He's been there. 
Let me just share something with you. All of you have suffered in life to some degree. But I can almost guarantee you the person sitting in this congregation today who has suffered the most has the most compassion of anyone else. And let me tell you this. There is nobody in this universe who has suffered like our mediator who now stands before the throne of God. He carried the burden of the sins of the whole world. He tasted death for every man. And I guarantee you that he is totally compassionate, compassionate, totally tuned in to you and I when we come to the throne of grace. And Paul says we can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. He cares. Not only does he care, he has the power to address our situation to help us out. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says that Peter talks about how God's people are, are tempted with manifold temptations. Manifold means many-colored or many-sided. In other words, they're hit from many different directions. Okay? And then later on in his epistle, in chapter 4, he refers to the manifold grace of God. The many-sided aspects of the grace of God. Be reminded of this fact that no matter how many doors of access the devil tries to create to attack you, the Lord Jesus has a, uh, has a protection for you at every one of those points of attack. And he can help you out. He can help you out. So jo- uh, excuse me, um, Zechariah sees Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. He's pleading with God for his forgiveness of his own sins. He's pleading for the forgiveness of Israel's sins. And Satan is there at his right hand to resist him. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Let me ask you something. If you pay a lot of money for something, are you kind of jealous about it? I mean, isn't it valuable to you? Now that's trivia compared to someone that you love, right? Someone in your family. Now you're really jealous, Right? You're very protective. Jesus is very, very protective of his people and his church. And he says in Zechariah, he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. Let me tell you, one of the things that the seven last plagues are doing in the last days, this is God's response to a world who has falsely accused his people. And God says, you know what? I gave you a warning. I loved you. I gave you the opportunity to be saved. You rejected it. You decided to worship a man instead of the eternal God who created the universe. And I can stand no more. And the seven last plagues is going to be his response to that. Let me tell you, God is a God of justice. He will, he's merciful as far as he can go. But when the time comes, he cuts it off. He says, I'm going to stand in defense of my people. The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan, even the Lord that had chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. I want to tell you a story. I have a friend who's uh, in ministry. Some of you may be aware of this already, but I'm not going to go into some of the details. But I have a friend who's uh, been in ministry. I've known him about 30 years. And about a year ago, he was accused of a foul crime by a daughter-in-law. Okay? And so it's been in process. In fact, he was put in jail at first and... Got out on bail. Anyway, this past week, his son called me up. He said, please really pray. He said, the court date is today. 
So I did, and I had some other people pray. In fact, this brother baptized Andy and Naomi Weaver. So Andy and Naomi Weaver, really. So then his son called me the same evening, and he said, or the next morning. No, it was the next morning. He said, the trial was yesterday. He said, the jury is going to convene this morning to meet to decide on the case. And typically, at least this is what they expected in this case, the jury is going to go comb through the information. They're going to comb through this information. For a number of hours, they're going to deliberate over it, and then they're going to declare the, the verdict, either guilty or not guilty. Okay. Well, in this case, the jury got together. They spent some time deciding who was going to be their chairman, their spokesman, and within, and my friend's son told me, he said, within less than 10 minutes, he says they were out, they were unanimous, and they declared the verdict not guilty. Not guilty. And let me tell you this. There are many of us who are rejoicing because we felt a great burden of heart over this situation. But you know, in these last days, brothers and sisters, Paul says that in the last days there will be professed Christians, and one of the earmarks of their apostasy is that they are false accusers. And there's an abundance of that today. False accusers. The the lawyer that um, they were able to get was evidently a very excellent lawyer, but he even recognized the hand of God in this situation. I told my friend on the phone after the thing was all over, they called me up. I told him, I said, you know, I said, Dan, I said... There's a good number of innocent people in prison. He said, I know. And he said, if it was my assignment to go, he said, I was prepared to go. But we praise God for moving into this situation and for the prayers of, I'm sure, many people that were active in this situation. So we need to be praying. You know, it was a praying church that delivered Peter from prison. James was killed the sword, and then Peter was put in prison. The church said, whoa, and they really went after it in prayer. In these last days, there's not a guarantee that we will experience justice in, in the courts of justice. In fact, being commandment keepers, we are going to be falsely accused. And this is one of the, the artistries and the artillery of the enemy is to falsely accuse God's people. When my friend first called me up about a year ago when the case erupted, I share with him on the phone the, the uh, promise from Isaiah 54, 17. It says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. No tongue, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. So we have much to praise God for. I am very thankful. That was like really good news for me this week, and I was so thankful. We have much to praise our Lord for. He is very good to us. He is very good. And he will help us through whatever we have to uh, go through. Now, I want to read to you just briefly, and then we'll finish up the chapter here, a, a sprinkling of some of the statements here in the... Um, book, Prophets and Kings. Sorry. Thought I had it marked. 
I really apologize. I'm having a hard time finding the pages. But one of the things that she brings out here in this chapter is that this chapter has a special application for God's people now in our time. That's amazing. I'm not finding this. I'm just going to go. Here. It's a lot of the same material in here. I'm going to go to the fifth home of the testimonies. Here it says, This controversy is repeated over every soul that is rescued from the power of evil and whose name is registered in the Lamb's Book of Life. Never is one received from the family of God uh, excuse me, of Satan into the family of God without exciting the determined resistance of the wicked one. You know, when we get together, um, I think it's well that we share certain things with one another. And I think it is well that we request one another's prayers. It is well that we do this. Because multiplied prayer has a power. And we need to be praying for one another. I'm determined by the grace of God to be more diligent in my prayers. Because I'm feeling the need for it uh, myself. Talking about Satan, it says he knows that those who seek God earnestly for pardon and grace will obtain it. Therefore, he presents their sins before them to discourage them. By the way, there's not a person walking this earth who has a perfectly clean record in the past. Some of us have a worse record than others. But if we will go to Christ in true penitence and claim his promise, we have the certainty and assurance from his word that we are forgiven. We must hold on to the word. Do not let the uh, devil press you down. Not one soul that in penitence and faith has claimed his protection will Christ permit to pass under the enemy's power. His word is pledged. Let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. Zechariah's vision of Joshua and the angel applies with peculiar force to the experience of God's people in the closing up of the great day of atonement. So this has a special application to our time. One of the things it says here, and it's a lot of similar material in the two books, but it says, he, that is Satan, endeavors to affright the soul with the thought that their case is hopeless. Are you listening? Satan is trying to endeavor to affright your soul with a thought that your case, case is hopeless. That the stain of their defilement will never be washed away. He hopes to so destroy their faith that they will yield to his temptations, turn from their allegiance to God, and receive the mark of the beast. So it applies especially to the end. But Jesus says... The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. I gave my life for these souls. They are graven upon the palms of my hands. I've got to read a little bit here. We're going to wrap it up soon. The assaults of Satan are strong. His delusions are terrible. 
but the Lord's eye is upon his people. Their affliction is great, and the flames of the furnace seem about to consume them. But Jesus will bring them forth as gold tried in the fire. Their earthliness must be removed, that the image of Christ may be perfectly reflected. Unbelief must be overcome. Faith, hope, and patience are to be developed. Okay? Now listen, I'm going to read on here a little bit. This is worth listening to. This is a prophetic look into the near future. The people of God are sighing and crying for the abominations done in the land. With tears, they, with tears, get that, with tears, they warn the wicked of their danger in trampling upon the divine law. And with unutterable sorrow, they humble themselves before the Lord on account of their own transgressions. But the anguish and humiliation of God's people is unmistakable evidence that they are regaining the strength and nobility of character lost in consequence of sin. Tremendous reading. I would encourage you to read uh, these things. Now, I have a couple things I want to share with you in closing up. Let me ask you this. Did the Lord fully accomplish his purpose through old Israel? And carefully, did he? Did he fully accomplish his purpose through old Israel? I see someone shaking their head no, and they're exactly right. I want to read you a statement here from the book Prophets and Kings, page 713. Now listen to this. Listen to this. God is going to have a people in these last days that are really tuned into him. They love him. They love his word. And it is their deep devoted purpose to cooperate with him and his plan for these last days. Listen to this. That which God purposed to do for the world through Israel, the chosen nation, he will finally accomplish through his church on earth today. He's going to get it. He's going to get it. You know, in the last three books of the Old Testament, you have Haggai, you have Zechariah, and you have Malachi. It's 20 chapters. Okay? In those 20 chapters, there is a phrase that is used 91 times. And that phrase is this. It refers to the Lord. It says, the Lord of hosts. You're familiar. It refers to God as the Lord of hosts. I want to read to you a comment on that term from the SDA Bible commentary here. And here's what it says. Lord Yahweh of hosts is one of the most majestic and awe-inspiring of all the titles of deity. The title is common in Jeremiah. It emphasizes the fact that God has untold forces and powers at his command. In the Old Testament, host frequently refers to an army of men, 
The commander-in-chief of an army was designated captain of the host. Angels are also spoken of as a host. It's giving references. And the term is also applied to the heavenly bodies. Israel's God has at his command untold hosts of spiritual and material forces. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. He is omnipotent. And as you will read in Zechariah chapter 3, he's looking for an obedient people, and he will have an obedient people in these last days. God says, I'll take away the filthy garments, I'll give you a change of garment, and if you will keep my charge and obey my laws, I will give you places to walk among the angels that stand by. Tremendous promises in the word. God promises us in these last days. He says, if you will be loyal to me and not rob from me, he says, prove me. He says, I will open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He says, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And then he also says in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. So you have people who are talking about the Lord. They're thinking and encouraging one another in the Lord. And God says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and them that thought upon his name. And God says, And they shall be mine. In that day, said the Lord, when I make up my jewels, you better believe the Lord has his affection on his people here. And may our affections be upon him. You trust Jesus. You hold on to his word. Don't follow Jesus on your own terms. Follow Jesus on his terms. These are his terms. God bless you. Thank you, Kent. Let's open our hymnals to hymn number 518, Standing on the Promises, 518.
Before we pray, I just want to say thanks to this church for being such friends and church family to me. I'm very thankful for you, and I love you very much. Thank you so much. May God bless you. Um, I also would like to just take a moment, please, if there's anyone here that in this service the Spirit of God is saying to you, today is decision time. Please do not leave this church without saying to the Lord Jesus, I will follow you and I will continue to read your word and trust in you day by day that I may be ready when you come soon. Please do not leave this church. And if you would like to speak to me afterward or one of the elders, please feel free to approach us. We care about you and the Lord cares about you very much. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we cannot praise you enough because we know that as your word has said, God is love. We thank you for the rich promises of your word that are our defense in every time of trial. And we know, Lord, that even out of weakness, your people will be strong through faith. They will wax valiant and fight. They will turn to flight the armies of the aliens. They will obtain promises. They will work righteousness. And through faith, they will obey. I pray that you'll bless my brothers and sisters in all of their endeavors in daily life and in serving you. And I pray, Father, that your hand will rest upon Pastor Jeff and each one in this church and that we will do as Peter said, for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And we thank you for your promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We praise you, Father. We look forward to the time of being with you before your throne, looking upon your face, praising the angels, and having all the perplexities and pains and trials of this life behind us forever. We know that is soon. Help us to be faithful to that time and to fulfill faithfully in the eyes of the universe our duty now to proclaim Christ, to proclaim the Sabbath, and to pro- proclaim the special truths for this time in the three angels' messages. We ask all these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.